from time to time on this podcast i bring to you some wonderful essays written by some brilliant writers and so is the case today the writer that i'm speaking about here was stewart edward white and uh, this particular essay that i'm going to narrate it's called on lying awake at night i'm sure a lot of you would find it relatable and uh, it is picked from the book called modern essays and the book was published in 1921 so without any delay let me start narrating the essay on lying awake at night who hath lain alone to hear wild goose cry about once in so often you're due to lie awake at night why this is so i've never been able to discover it apparently comes from no predisposing uneasiness of indigestion no rashness in the matter of too much tea or tobacco no excitation of unusual incident or stimulating conversation in fact you turn in with the expectation of rather a good night's rest almost at once the little noises of the forest grow larger blend in the hollow bigness of the first drowse your thoughts drift idly back and forth between reality and dream when snap you are broad awake perhaps the reservoir of your vital forces is full to the overflow of a little waste or perhaps more subtly the great mother insists thus that you enter the temple of her larger mysteries for unlike mere insomnia lying awake at night in the woods is pleasant the eager nervous straining for sleep gives way to a delicious indifference you do not care your mind is cradled in an exquisite poppy suspension of judgment and of thought impressions slip vaguely into your consciousness and as vaguely out again sometimes they stand stark and naked for your inspection sometimes they lose themselves in the mist of half sleep always they lay soft velvet fingers on the drowsy imagination so that in their caressing you feel the vaster spaces from which they have come peaceful brooding your faculties receive hearing sight smell all are preternaturally keen to whatever of sound and sight and woods perfume is abroad through the night and yet at the same time active appreciation dozes so these things lie on its sweet and cloying like fallen rose leaves in such circumstance you will hear what the voyageurs call the voices of the rapids many people never hear them at all they speak very soft and low and distinct beneath the steady roar and dashing beneath even the lesser tinklings and gurglings whose quality superimposes them over the louder sounds they are like the tear forms swimming across the field of vision which disappear so quickly when you concentrate your sight to look at them 
and which reappears so magically when again your gaze turns vacant. In the stillness of your hazy half-consciousness, they speak. When you bend your attention to listen, they are gone. And only the tumults and the tinklings, they remain. But in the moment of their audibility, they are very distinct. Just as often an order will wake all a vanished memory, so these voices, by the force of a large impressionism, suggest whole scenes. Far off are the cling-clag-cling of chimes and the swell-and-fall murmur of a multitude en fete. So that suddenly you feel the grey old town with its walls, the crowded marketplace, the decent peasant crowd, the booths, the mellow church building with its bells, the warm, dust-moted sun. Or in the pauses between the swish-dash-dashings of the waters, sound faint and clear voices singing intermittently, calls distant notes of laughter as though many canoes were working against the current. Only the flotilla never gets any nearer, not the voices louder. The voyagers call these mist people the huntsmen and uh, look frightened to each his vision according to his experience. The nations of the earth whisper to their exiled sons through the voices of the rapids. Curiously enough, by all reports, they suggest always peaceful scenes. A harvest field, a street fair, a Sunday morning in a cathedral town, careless travellers, never the turmoils and struggles. Perhaps this is the great mother's compensation in a harsh mode of life. Nothing is more fantastically unreal to tell about, nothing more concretely real to experience than this undernote of the quick water. And when you do lie awake at night, it is always making its unobtrusive appeal. Gradually, its hypnotic spell works. The distant chimes ring louder and nearer as you cross the borderland of sleep. And then, outside the tent, some little woods noise snaps the thread. An owl hoots. A twig cracks beneath the cautious prowl of some night creature. At once, the yellow sunlit French meadows puff away. You are staring at the blurred image of the moon spraying through the texture of your tent. The voices of the rapids have dropped into the background, as have the dashing noises of the stream. Through the forest is a great silence, but no stillness at all. The whippoorwill swings down and up the short curve of his regular song. Over and over, an owl says his rapid woo-woo-woo. These, with the ceaseless dash of the rapids, are the web on which the night traces her more delicate embroideries of the unexpected. Distance crashes, single and impressive. Stealthy footsteps near at hand. The subdued scratching of claws, a faint sniff, sniff, sniff of enquiry. The sudden clear tin horn, co-co-co-co of the little owl. 
the mournful, long-drawn-out cry of the loon instinct with the spirit of loneliness, the ethereal call-note of the birds of passage high in the air, a patter, patter, patter among the dead leaves, immediately stilled, and then at the last from the thicket close at hand, the beautiful silver purity of the white-throated sparrow, the nightingale of the north, trembling with the ecstasy of beauty as though a shimmering moonbeam had turned to sound. And all the while the blurred figure of the moon mounting to the ridge line of your tent, these things combine subtly until at last the great silence of which they are a part overarches the night and draws you forth through contemplation. No beverage is more grateful than the cup of spring water at such a time. No moment more refreshing than that in which you look about you at the darkened forest. You have cast from you with the warm blanket the drowsiness of dreams. A coolness physical and spiritual bathes you from the head to foot. All your senses are keyed to the last vibrations. You hear the littler night prowlers. You glimpse the crater. A faint searching woods perfume of dampness greets your nostrils. And somehow, mysteriously, in a manner not to be understood, the forces of the world seem in suspense. As though a touch might crystallize infinite possibilities into infinite power and motion. But the touch lacks. The forces hover on the edge of action, unheeding the little noises. In all humbleness and awe, you are a dweller of the silent places. At such a time, you will meet with adventures. One night, we put fourteen inquisitive porcupines out of camp. Near McGregor's Bay, I discovered in the large grass park of my campsite nine deer cropping the herbage like so many beautiful ghosts. A friend tells me of a fawn that every night used to sleep outside his tent and within a foot of his head, probably by way of protection against wolves, its mother had in all likelihood been killed. The instant my friend moved toward the tent, opening the little creature would disappear. And it was always gone by the earliest daylight. Nocturnal beers in search of porks are not uncommon. But even though your interest meets nothing but the bats and the woods, shadows and the stars, that few moments of the sleeping world forces is a psychical experience to be gained in no other way. You cannot know the night by sitting up. She will sit up with you. Only by coming into her presence from the borders of sleep can you meet her face to face in her intimate mood. The night wind from the river or from the open spaces of the wilds chills you, chills you after a time. You begin to think of your blankets. In a few moments, you roll yourself in their soft wool. Instantly, it is morning. And strange to say, you have not to pay by going through the day unrefreshed. 
you may feel like turning in at 8 instead of 9 and you may fall asleep with unusual promptitude. But your journey will begin clear-headedly, proceed springily and end with much in reserve. No languor, no dull headache, no exhaustion follows your experience. For this once, your two hours of sleep have been as effective as nine.